inside the admissions office, your one-stop shop for expert advice on the smart way to get in. My name is Ellen, and each episode I'll bring you an interview with a former admissions officer, a graduate of a top college, or an admissions expert. These interviews will take you inside the admissions office and will be full of behind-the-scenes knowledge, first-hand experiences, and application tips that will help you get into your dream school. If you'd like to chat with one of these experts, you can sign up for a free consultation at the link in the description of this episode. Today, we'll hear from Christina Urena, a former admissions reader at UC Berkeley and UC Santa Cruz, about what goes on behind the scenes in a UC admissions office. Hi, Christina. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much, Ellen, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Of course. Well, to start out, just can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? How did you end up on the West Coast? Sure. Um, So I'm originally from a suburb of Detroit, Michigan. I was born and raised there. And then I attended University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, pursued sociology, um, had a wonderful experience there in the residential college, which is a a great intensive liberal arts college within a big research uh, university. I also did a year abroad in Sevilla um, at a college level there, achieving fluency in the residential college and had to kind of reapply um, as uh, a European student, which was wonderful. And then I later in my career um, ended up going to New York City. I worked extensively in social work um, and eventually got a full tuition scholarship, which really feels like such a huge gift in so many ways, even now to Columbia University to get my master's in social work. Since then, I've had a varied career. I've worked for city uh, government nonprofit, K through 12, community college districts, as well as the UC system. Um, And so I currently now am a uh, former admissions officer at Ingenious Prep, and I've been in this position now for about over two years, believe it or not. But I was at UC Santa Cruz for two years, and then I was at uh, Cal for three Actually, to answer your original question, how I came out to the West Coast, I simply was living in New York City, um, having been um, really done with winter and snow. My sister had moved out to San Francisco. I kept visiting her. The visits became more frequent, and I quickly decided to relocate. And I've been in California for a very long time, time now and don't regret that decision. I'm so glad you actually worked both at Berkeley and Santa Cruz, because I could be wrong and we'll find out during the episode, but I do feel like there maybe is a slight difference between the different UC offices, you know, maybe a different kind of application candidate they're looking for. So I'm looking forward to really understanding those nuances. Could you walk me through a day in the life of a UC admissions officer, maybe, and break it down by season? So when you're actually reading the applications versus the off season? Yeah, I think one of the things that most people don't know in the UC system, no matter the school, is that it's extremely organized and intentional, and there's a real commitment to holistic application review. Um, Because the UC is a state system, certainly not as funded as much in the past um, by public funds, but it is still public system, there's a real commitment to the master plan of the higher education system which is a three-tiered system of community colleges in California, CSUs, and then UCs. UCs were born out of a mission of being research institutions that were top-notch, that really offered excellent resources around 
um, academic pursuits of discovery and pushing the envelope and research and, and publishing, essentially. So UCs, part of their sort of mantra and persona is really a commitment to their students, no matter what campus location, to give them a research-based education. So they have opportunities to work directly with faculty as assistants or in research labs, depending on their major. So that's a huge part of all of the culture in terms of admissions and understanding that students who come to this system have that in mind, understand that specific mantra and mission, and are really seeking that experience. That being said, because it's a public system, um, the admissions officers are very well aware of looking at high school contacts. There's a real commitment to region assignment, really knowing all of the caveats of the various counties, communities in California. I felt like I became almost like a mini expert in my region because you, when you are assigned a region as an admissions officer, you are on the ground when in the off season working with those high schools, really doing presentations and outreach to all of them to educate everyone at the table, specifically counselors in schools, but also of course incoming students or prospective students and community members of how to apply, what are the resources, which are ever changing. So I think there's a real commitment to that understanding of where students come from. That being said, there also are region assignments throughout the U.S. So it's not just California. Personally, was assigned to a region in New York, surrounding New York City, just because I had lived there for many years. And I was very familiar with the private and public schools there. So you, as an admissions officer in the UC system, just because of the dearth and the intensity and the, just the immense amount of applications, especially at Berkeley, which almost feels like they're surpassing themselves every year. But I think there was a little dip recently they're kind of back on the uptick. And we really are heavily investing in understanding where students come from and really doing a holistic review and evaluation, comparing them to peers in their similar high school region and context. So that's kind of the life is it's part education, it's part outreach, and then it's a lot of holistic review. There's a Extensive training year-round. I think the UC admissions team is amazing and should be praised around their commitments to equity and diversity. Really outstanding financial aid opportunities for students that have many socioeconomic challenges, such as the Blue Gold Plan, et cetera. But they also seek excellence, and they're very, very demanding in terms of academic performance, especially by major. And that's something we can talk a little bit more about. But it's a fantastic crew. It's a well-designed machine, and it's constantly changing and responding to the, the current landscape of student application pool. And then I'm sure a lot of our students are aware that the UC application is separate, so they won't be able to just submit their uh, common app to the UC. So could you maybe talk us through the components of the UC application, perhaps anything that stand out as a major difference from the common app? Yeah, I think the main difference that many students don't realize is the personal insight questions are just very different in terms of their structure, per se. There are some overlapping themes in terms of leadership, creativity, resilience, or overcoming adversity, per se. So there are some similar questions with the Common App, but the structure of those questions and the fact that there's 350-word minimum or maximum, I should say, excuse me. I think that's just a different animal. And you are picking four prompts that you have several options at right to choose from. 
And so one of the things is really reflecting prompts or choosing prompts that resonate with you and help you to shine and showcase your strengths as an applicant. Sometimes students wait until the last minute for the UC application or they're trying to meet common application university deadlines. And so they too quickly um, try to convert their common application essays into UCA essay responses. And it really shows in the application process. As an admissions officer, we can see really clearly if the student honed the answer to match that prompt versus kind of just trying to slash and burn a previous longer essay to make the space requirement. So that is a huge component, those personal insight questions. There's also um, extensive questions around socioeconomic status, parent education background, um, really understanding the school, understanding the ranking system, the GPA system, and then also a, a lot of attention to course schedule. These have A through G requirements, which I highly recommend, especially if you're an international applicant, to get on the UC website and make sure that your school offers those requirements. I don't have enough time to go into a deep dive of them because they are very specific and detailed. But for example, some students may not do history or think they need to do history. And that is a requirement of two years, for example, to apply to a UC. And so there are curriculum requirements that stand out as a system that is different than perhaps another college through the common application system. Uh, the other thing that I think is really helpful and different about the UCs is that they just offer a ton of advice free on their um, UC portal. You can get into your application and start as soon as August 1st and get your username and password and start populating all of your basic data. And I strongly recommend students do that because it's re-entering every single thing that's about you. Have your high school transcript handy. The mistake that's really common, believe it or not, is just user error that students don't necessarily uh, replicate the data from their transcript. And so on audits or reviews, sometimes that doesn't bode well. And so we just want to make sure students really are carefully putting everything in. So their GPA is calculated correctly, et cetera. So those are some of the unique components. There are other, one other thing I'd like to uh, mention is that there are other sections or note sections where students can choose to either add resources or accomplishments, um, which can be really strategic, or even talking about hardship, explaining maybe a, a dip in GPA or perhaps change of course or not having a certain course being offered at a high school, you can emphasize that, make it easier for the admissions officer to understand some aspects of your application that may not be readily understood just at a quick glance. And, and the other thing is just you want to make things as concise as possible through the UC application. The average is around 15 minutes, sometimes less in terms of total review time. So the more concise, repetitive to the point, even in your activity descriptions, I highly recommend, which are pretty brief. You don't have a ton of real estate there. So um, make sure that you really spend a lot of time um, making sure that everything you're putting in that application is necessary and helpful. My next question is kind of a two-parter. I'm wondering, first of all, just in general, what kind of students are the UCs looking for? But then I'm wondering more specifically if each of the UCs has their own slightly more specified candidate profile, you know, is Berkeley looking for those future leaders, advocates? Is UCLA looking for people who are very social and extroverted? Do they kind of fit their stereotypes? I think it's really interesting because 
it's easy to make quick assumptions and certain majors are more glamorous, right? You know, UCLA is so known for its theater and film program and its arts just in general, but they also are huge, you know, in terms of their other academic areas, especially in business and computer science and engineering, et cetera. I would like to say that really you need to, the faculty of the UC system have a, a strong voice in creating criteria and reviewing criteria for certain majors. So there, it, it really does depend, depend on demand and how that com competition is weighing in in terms of the amount of application, as well as what the faculty are seeing as academic priorities. So for example, UCs are going testing blind right now. So SATs and ACTs are not as huge of a factor as they would have been in the past but they're still looking at academic rigor all around and consistent performance. I think one of the biggest issues because you can't be UC campus specific in your UC application is really being able to be major specific and driven by what you wanna study and what you wanna accomplish at a UC university. I think that self-knowledge, that self-reflection, that ability to articulate what is your academic purpose and career drive um, will really resonate and shine through no matter what you see um, you apply to. In terms of just pure numbers, I think that UCLA, UC Berkeley, and UC San Diego kind of lead the pack. Um, Santa Barbara and Davis are still really close behind and Irvine is gaining ground as well. They're all really competitive, but I think it does depend on your major. One of the things I really try to encourage students when they apply is to have that authenticity and that clear student voice throughout the application. Sometimes students think, oh, well, I'll apply for this major as a freshman and then I'll switch it up. And it's not, first of all, that reads very obviously in the application. If students don't have activities and interest in their essay and they're applying for a major that's kind of out there, it's like, okay, what is this student doing here? Sometimes trying to get into the college or the department of that school in another way so that they can switch it up. I don't recommend that. I think it, it sabotages you not only in your application process, but in your educational pathway because it's often really difficult to then transfer depending on the school and program. The other thing I would say just around one of the things that they look for is community impact really being UCs because of their public mission and because of the fact that they really want to see leadership and students outside of their school environment and see how they're addressing problems in their own community and how they will add value to their campus. Um, one of the things specifically I think I would recommend if you're looking at UC Berkeley is are you committed to social change? Is social justice on your radar? Is that something that's important to you? What do you? How do you want to access the privilege of your higher education and make a difference in the world? Can you answer those questions? Have you thought about those questions? I think those are deeply meaningful things to UC Berkeley as an institution historically and currently, just because we're in a huge immense time of post pseudo, I don't even know we can say it's post pandemic, but also massive social change. So I think there is this thing called the Berkeley spark. And is it there? Are you, are you a doer? Are you a go-getter? Are you an activist, an advocate? Um, but I also would like to say that UCs really want leadership. They really want students that are involved in civic duty and responsibility and have a sense of the world or the community beyond their immediate town, county, school district, that kind of thing. So 
I think it's really wise. And that doesn't mean like just racking up volunteer hours to fulfill a high school requirement. It's really having meeting and intention around what causes or specific things are important to you. I think there's a tendency for students and applicants, especially as we see like the top 30 of the top 20 schools kind of narrow with the acceptance rates growing closer and closer to kind of see all those elite schools as a monolith. So I'd love to know in your perspective, what makes the UCs unique? I mean, first of all, I can think of just the quarter system, but what sets the UCs apart that maybe students should know about before they'd apply or that students can kind of hone in on in their application to demonstrate school fit? One of the things is the immense amount of resources of the UC system. I think it's, you know, these are huge public research institutions. And I mean, granted, some campuses are smaller. For example, Santa Barbara is definitely a smaller campus comparatively to Berkeley or UCLA and even Irvine. But there is so much diversity, obviously, in student body representation, not just in terms of race, ethnicity, gender identity, sexual orientation, um, socioeconomic class. I think there's it's a real nice representation of what I would say more of a, a realistic work environment where you're forced to interface and connect with people from very different backgrounds than you and you know navigate team relationships and communication and group projects and research studies in that diverse environment. I also think just the um, amount of facilities and research and, uh, and opportunity are huge. I think one of the key pieces, though, at any public institution, but specifically you see, is that students need to be able to self-advocate and navigate. And I think if you are a student that wants to have a very personalized relationship with your instructor, you may want to revisit, is that going to be potentially possible at a UC? It may be in your upper division, junior, senior, right, your classes where you're really, you know, major driven and department driven. But in those first couple years, you're doing general education requirements. If you're doing STEM, engineering or sciences, you're doing a lot of physical science and math, higher level math requirements, even if you've done, you know, up to BC Calc, et cetera. So I think realistic expectations and visiting the UCs is really important. Talking to students, alum, and other folks that are there, I think is really important. I think what you'll also notice about UCs is you can have like five different students attend UC Berkeley, and they all have very different experiences. So there's, again, it's diversity in that sense of so much freedom to make it what you want. Like you said, it's not a monolithic experience at all. Like if you go to a smaller liberal arts college, I think you'll get a lot more continuity and consistency around the student experience. I'm not saying that's good or bad, it's just different. So I personally went to University of Michigan, which is a massive public institution. It's over 36,000 students, that's including grad, very similar to Cal. And I think for my personality and my developmental stage of my life, it was a great match. Um, but I know personally, it's not for everyone. And so I really think, you know, you need to be driven. You need to be understanding that um, you may not be as handheld in a smaller environment. And I think that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I, I would think that students would want to know that ahead of time. And so that perhaps avoiding sort of that crashing or that post honeymoon, like, oh, I love my school. Wait, this is way too overwhelming and confusing. And so um, I just really think students need to investigate each campus on its own and look at 
whether or not those programs at that school really meet your expectations and would you would you want the resource over sort of that one-to-one attention especially in those early years of your higher ed career a somewhat interesting question that brings up for me is just about it sounds funny, but culture shock. Did you ever find students having just a bit of California culture shock? I actually went to school in LA and I didn't expect myself to have culture shock. I came from Atlanta, so you know, I was used to living in a city. I fancied myself a well-rounded worldly person, but in my class this freshman year, people would always say, I'm from the Bay Area, I'm from the Bay Area. And I was like, what Bay? What area? You're not, you're not, saying, you're not saying a thing until like, I, I mean, I had no idea what they were talking about. And for our listeners, that's the area around San Francisco where Berkeley is. But yeah. That's, that's a great, great example. And I really appreciate that. I think, I think one of the things that's so important is that when you go to any kind of public state school system, you have that kind of regional or internal in, interstate slang or jargon, or like you said, sort of subcultural references. And I do think, you know, every area has shock. I mean, I, being from originally from a suburb of Detroit, I had a very easy transitioning to Michigan, which I didn't personally want, but it, 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 it was what was affordable for my family at the time. And everyone, because of Michigan, and I'm sure a lot of University of Michigan students from our out-of-state or international experience this, in orientation, people are like holding up, you know, the, the hand, right? And I'm from this part, you know, I'm from this part of the state, or they're just showing like, where, and people are like, what are you doing? Like, why are you holding up your hand? And then it's like, oh, it's actually the state of Michigan. So I completely understand what you're talking about in terms of these innuendos. I think there's culture shock whenever you're an outsider, if you're out of the region, but I think it is emphasized more when you're in a larger kind of public school environment and you have more in-state overall attendance or attendees. And so I definitely know what you're talking about. And then there's the kind of culture shock of dealing with the weather or just the immediate environment. You know, Davis is a really cool town, but it's really agricultural. Like immediately, the minute you leave like sort of the college campus community, Santa Barbara is strikingly beautiful and you're on the ocean and not everyone can manage like being, you know, on the beach and being like rigorously studying all the time. I and mean, it cannot, it may, could be a recipe to, for disaster for some folks. So I think you're right. There's definitely culture shock. And I also think that that's why it's so key to talk to people who have lived experience in the school and or visit if possible. Um, look at, you know, reviews or, you know, student testimony about that experience, because they're the ones that are in that environment day to day, coping, navigating, figuring it out, um, making it what it needs to be. So it, it does vary. Santa Cruz, for example, um, whenever I took students, you know, on tours, people were really taken aback by like how the campus is almost like going on a daily hike. Like it's rugged and it's tons of trees. And I mean, you can't, you, you, and it's, massively spread out it's gorgeous but you know you probably want a mountain bike like you know that's how I got around college and parking is really difficult but you you know and perhaps you do the public the transit system and that's fine but people were like wow I'm like sweating and it's I'm walking like 15 minutes to my next class so that is something that you may not know and unless you experience it right and also just weather expectations students sometimes are not clear around like perhaps 
um, how cool the Bay Area is, meaning specifically Berkeley, or how, you know, it may not be as glamorous as you think, UCLA, more of a downtown kind of, you know, urban environment sort of setting. So setting yourself up for realistic expectations of school research of the variety of campuses, I think is a, is a smart, a smart to do. Sure. And I mean, UCLA has wildfire season, which sounds insane to people not from California, but being that UCLA is pretty close to Bel Air, which is like hills. I remember we'd be doing our finals and we'd be looking at Twitter and be like, oh, yikes, like the UCLA students are trying to do their finals. And there's literally like ash raining down on them and they're not not canceling their finals. So, yeah, funny story. When I first went to L.A. the first time to go to admitted students weekend at USC, I accidentally Ubered to UCLA. I just saw like University of California on the Uber app. And I was like, I was like, that's it. That's the one I'm going to. And then I got there. My mom was like, this is not the right college. (laughs) It happened. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. I love that you're sharing that, Ellen, because that's real life, right? You know, that's like you go and move into your dorm and you're like, I can't even fit this in like book stairwell or whatever, like this is not coming with me or whatever those kind of crazy scenarios that you're like, this is not what I was exactly envisioning of college, right? Yeah, it all kind of works itself out. I think we got to get to the really like juicy questions now. So to start with, could you maybe just walk us through your point of view of the admissions process? So you get your applications, you start reading them. What does that process look like? For all of us, we go right into high school contacts. So to be honest, by the time we're reviewing, we're pretty well versed. And I have like a working dashboard and like another monitor of every single high school. So I'm always reading side by side, looking at recent stats and the profile of the student at the same time. So you're all, it's constantly embedded in contacts. Um, and that includes like where previous grads attended, um, looking at average scores or mean scores for all tests and GPA and AP offerings and um, extracurriculars. So really knowing what's available to the student in that high school context and then comparing it or looking at what the student specifically in front of me took advantage of, accomplished, etc. So it's a lot of a data dive, to be honest, in the beginning. It's just like immersing yourself with all of that and then starting to really look at sort of their background, what were their challenges, what were, how did they overcome certain situations, did they go above and beyond, were they not given certain opportunities, and did they, you know, I mean, super cliche to say, but like make lemonade out of lemons, like did they really go beyond their immediate problem to solve it or find creative solutions that maybe not were readily available, Um, so that could be like, for example, students that persisted in taking a community college course or a summer program in a subject that's not offered at their school. Or sometimes it means self-studying an AP, you know, and going and pursuing something. Some students pursue faculty and research scientists at other campuses and ask to study or, you know, be a note taker just to be a fly on the wall and do these kind of things that um, take some some moxie and some courage. And I think that's definitely looked at in terms of activity list consistency and commitment, leadership as well, those are all taken into account. And it's really important to show some theme or some what we call academic persona at IGP around really understanding what the student is interested in academically and having that evidence or overlay in their activities. So it's a complete 
brand or message or understanding of who the student is. And so I'm constantly kind of weighing that. And then also the reading, obviously, of the essays. That's a huge piece, looking at the choice of prompts, really trying to relate back to the data given, trying to get more explanation and context for what that student's given, given us, right, just in terms of hard facts. And then getting a sense of the student's voice, their personality, authenticity, really trying to understand, are they a fit? Like, do they know the UC system? Have they researched it? Do they know the program? What is it that they want to achieve? And how do they plan on offering value? I think so much of the students sometimes are have this like attitude. And I think all of us are ingrained in this at some level, but like, what I could get out of attending this school, but it's also flipping and reframing that of like what I can contribute and give back at the school, what I can be a part of, how I can collaborate. So those are a lot of the questions that I think we're all looking at. Are there any misconceptions that you often find students or parents bringing into their application, maybe bringing into a talk with an admissions officer just about the UCs, about the UC applications? Yeah, I think there's a lot of, folklore and mythology around sort of acceptance formulas. I mean, I've gotten a lot of crazy questions, as I'm sure most former admissions officers have, of any system of like, if you get this score or this GPA and take this X amount of APs, you're an in, you're a guaranteed admission, or you're not, or there's these different thresholds. And it's I just warn against all of that. You know, the reason the whole the UCs have such immense staffing and do multiple reviews of applications is because they are committed to holistic review. And so it's not one person making that decision. It's not um, one read and it's definitely not a formula. So um, I don't think they'd be investing all the time and all the staffing to do that. You know, if it was like a Scantron and we just like kind of funneled in these applications it just, that's just not what's happening. Uh, the other thing is just like kind of rumors or buying into like, well, this major is harder to get into, or this is a trending major versus not. And I think my advice to students is like, I would stay off of the blogs and like college confidential kind of, this is what's going on trying to take the temperature. I think it's more important to invest in your actual own application and self-discovery and reflection around what is meaningful to you. Why do you want to apply to this school? Have you done the basic research around the program? What is it that's driving you to apply here? And, and to focus on honing that in your responses versus trying to kind of predict or, you know, gamble or, you know, sort of do this lottery thing of like, okay, I'm more likely to get in here or whatnot. I think what's tough for people, especially with the UCs, is sometimes applicants and admissions, it just seems kind of random to people, right? Like, well, why did this person get in versus that? And I think that's really just the entire field. Like, I don't think it's limited to the UCs per se. I just think the the sample size, the amount of applicants, period, within the UCs, it's larger. So it may even be like, you know, more in your face or more known or available to understand that, wow, some people get in and they don't. And so I think, you know, authenticity, understanding what your purpose is, again, what we talk about, that consistency of messaging and interest to help you stand out is where you want to put your time. Um, not so much about like gaming the system or trying to find the secret codes of acceptance, because it's just, it's not worthwhile. And it's really still too difficult to even make any massive assumptions about any of it. 
You've touched on a few mistakes so far. So we talked about students just being sloppy, filling in their biographical information. You talked about students trying to, you know, be sneaky and pick a major they think is easier to get into. And then it just their application makes no sense. Are there any other, other major mistakes we haven't touched on that you often see applicants make? It depends on the reader, but I would definitely say proofreading your essays goes a long way. Sometimes in the formatting, like if you're writing on Google Docs or a Word doc or pages or whatever, and you're translating it into the application afterwards, sometimes the formatting can get kind of funky and you just really want to take that time, attention and care to detail. And that's like with anything like applying for a job, you know, when you're, when you're putting yourself out there, it's a representation reflection of yourself. So, you know, making sure there aren't grammatical errors, making sure that you are not just cutting and pasting certain things and it's not working out, you know, it doesn't make sense. So I think that's a huge piece. The other thing that's kind of unique to the UC applications is sometimes students in their essays only speak to one campus. So they'll identify UCLA or UC Berkeley and that's a big no-no because the application is at large. So you do not want to be identifying any campus singularly in your essays or elsewhere. It kind of comes off as a little bit tacky and that you didn't really understand sort of the premise of the application. So the advantage is that you could apply to a whole variety of UCs and, and can, you know, you have the same application, you put that work in, you can continue, you know, perhaps a safety, get a couple safeties in there, but you don't want to just be kind of crusading or um, mentioning one specific campus above all um, in any of, of the application per se. Um, in terms of other mistakes, just, you know, you want to include in the other section or the note sections, you know, if you have a website, if you have won a specific competition, you have honors that you can't fit in the application, but I wouldn't have it be like random videos or like bodies of work of poetry or things that are like not really relevant. So kind of being aware of overkill. And then, um, like I said, making sure you really explain any sort of per perceived or possibly perceived deficiencies in your application, whether it be a course that canceled or you had a, you know, a dip in grades or GPA or that you couldn't take a certain AP, which is of interest to you. I think those extra explanations to provide context can just really help. And so sometimes students forget to do that. And so it just makes the application overall a little bit a weaker read, for sure. And then I touched on this at the beginning of the episode, but I'd love to know, did you notice any differences between UC Santa Cruz and Berkeley working in admissions? Do you have sort of a perception about each office kind of having a different ideal candidate? Um, I, you know, it's a little bit, it's tough because you know, there's, there's differences in commonalities. I do think the commonalities in terms of the overarching system prevail, but I do think that they're different colleges. They have different strengths. Um, they often attract very different kinds of students. Like for a lot of people, they don't know that Santa Cruz is one of the most awesome game design programs and majors like in the country. They also have an amazing astrophysics program that like blows everyone away. You know, these are things that I would think are very different, you know, whereas Berkeley is like, you know, one of the most eminent, like Haas business program is like one of the most eminent, you know, business and also like computer science and engineering combo programs in the world. So I think it is definitely attracts different kinds of students. 
Santa Cruz and Berkeley both have a commitment to social justice, and I think they're equity leaders on campus and off in terms of the students they select and their social awareness and activism. I'm not saying that there aren't more conservative, you know, groups and organizations on campus, but I think that is part of the context of the sort of campus ethos and to be aware of. I think Berkeley, just because of ranking, you're going to have students that are more competitive, that specifically want to be in a top 20 school and potentially want that more name recognition per se and high, high competition level. I think the culture of the schools are very different. I think Santa Cruz has a little bit more of a liberal arts feel, even though it's still a research institution, it's still quite large. I think just a smaller population, it's a little bit more laid back. I definitely think that would be an accurate difference. And we're students who are super driven type A, want to succeed and thrive on competition. That's more Cal. It does vary by department and program, but um, I've had many of my students attend there. And the, the students that really do well are ones that like to be pushed by their peers. Um, I would say Santa Cruz is a little bit more of a collaborative environment, very team oriented. And I don't think it has that same kind of, it's just a different kind of environment, frequency, et cetera. But it still pursues for academic curiosity and encourages academic rigor and growth. So it's just different styles. And for our listeners who were me five to six years ago, Cal is Berkeley. That was another oh, question so I had sorry. freshman year. Everyone kept saying Cal, and I was like, which one's that? They were like, Berkeley. And I was like, they're all the University of California, though. Why is Berkeley <laughs> special? And they were like, it just is. Stop asking I questions. Know, it's weird. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Most people refer in-state to UC Berkeley as Cal. And the huge rivalry, at least in Northern California, which you probably are aware of, is between Stanford and Berkeley. So... There's a lot of sports events, specifically football, but others as well. So in Northern California, obviously UC Berkeley and UCLA have a very strong rivalry as well. But um, in terms of real regional proximity, that's a big one is UC Berkeley and Stanford. And then if we have any listeners who are a bit younger right now, they're not getting ready to apply to college, but they are sort of building their candidate profile. What advice do you have for them if they're hoping to apply to Berkeley or UCLA in three years? I think the first piece is what happens is a lot of students, and I understand this. I mean, I moved cross country to California. I've lived here for over 20 years. I get the mystique and the interest, but it's also a very competitive and intense system to understand. And so I really emphasize visiting definitely more than one campus. And certainly if you can beyond just UCLA and UC Berkeley, um, I think you get a better understanding of the entire system as a whole, what the, the, how the schools differentiate, compare and contrast, as well as what they have in common. So that working knowledge, whatever it is, if you can just get your yourself at on campus, I think that would be huge for a tour, et cetera. Um, the other thing is just the orientations and really looking at the variety. So in terms of like, for example, if you want to do engineering at a UC, do the deep dive and do the courses. Like what are the requirements of the curriculum in like electrical engineering at UC, A, B, C, D? You know, there, there are differences. There are different prerequisites. A lot of times people think, oh, it's the UCs and like you just do this. No, they are their own little kingdoms in some ways too. So as much as you can go just 
not off of rank or stereotype or kind of buzz, but really dig into what those specific departments at those specific UCs offer. And I think you'll, you'll be able to apply more wisely. The other thing is that, you know, people love and hate California. So it's okay. Like you can give yourself permission not to apply to a UC either. I think it is a big commitment. It's an entirely different application. Some people feel like, oh, I have to do this in addition. So I really think that um, I strongly recommend students, you know, if you're going to apply to UC, I recommend apply to more than one. Um, if you're going to put that time and that energy into it, I, that's an extremely pragmatic point of view, but that's just how I feel because I think that it is, you know, a lot of work and hopefully you see more than just one option there and um, you'll get more bang for buck that way. I think campus tours, if students can afford it, if they have the time is a must, like you said, Irvine is quite agrarian. And I know people, people just have such crazy misconceptions about California and how, you know, my friends would always say, you know, are you going to go to Coachella? I was like, no, it's like a two hour drive. Like, I don't have time to do that. They were like, no, no, it's just right there. It's right there. It's next to Disneyland. Like, I was like, everything is two hours apart in LA and like five hours apart in California. Once you get off the coast, it's just farms. All the food comes from California. So yeah, I'm definitely like making sure you do the deep dive research. Yeah, and that also like so many students are like, oh, I'm gonna go to Santa Cruz and I'm gonna surf every day. Well, it's really foggy and very cold. And if you don't have a wetsuit and know how to surf, it can be really dangerous too. So, you know, there's all these little things. Yeah, and and housing is a huge concern. I just have to put it out there. I think some, you know, obviously the state itself has extremely expensive standard of living. So that also factors in for students if they want to live um, on campus and off to be able to really look at kind of the environment. And some, like you said, are more cities, some are more rural, some have a more campus feel, others are more integrated and urban. So you really have to like you said, um, know where you're headed and, and, and go to the actual campus to get a, a clear understanding because they are so different. Sure. And for the sake of clarity, if people, it's hard to get an idea if you haven't been in California, but I know people who went to school in Georgia told me they paid $200 a month to live in a big townhouse and people who go to USC, and this isn't even a, a nice part of LA, this isn't the greatest part of LA, it's not a super fancy part, but students are paying the very, very lowest, maybe $800, students are paying up to 2000 to share a room. So you do yes. 100% need a budget for that. And even if you are staying on campus, the on-campus housing is not any less expensive. If anything, it's more expensive more. for like right. perhaps less quality. And the food is really expensive. The flights can be expensive. Are you going to have a car? Are you going to pay for gas? You, you definitely do have to be aware of those costs. Yes. And I think that's a great example around the housing. Like I would, I usually tell students, like I think even 800 is optimistic. I usually just tell them like a thousand, you know, just that like, hey, if you if you get something less than that, there's food money or whatever. But um, it is exorbitant and really understanding that and, and being aware of those costs ahead of time. And also, like you said, the living conditions. Like if you have this sort of idea that you're going to have this like kind of villagey like campus life and everyone's sort of communing and it's it, you know public universities are massive and it, it you can find your community within a community I'm not saying you can't but there's a lot there and um, it's often very spread out and so you have to be 
clear, like if you are an international student, like what are, is there an international house? You know, at Berkeley, there is a really vibrant, amazing international community. At most UCs, there are too, but you still have to find it and attend it and go to it. It's not necessarily always going to be um, outreaching to you. Is there anything else you'd like to share with potential applicants? No, I, I, I hope that this helps. Um, you all clarify a little bit more around what your expectations and understandings of the UC system are. And I encourage you to take advantage. I think one of the most amazing other things about the UC system is, if, is the alumni network and being able to connect with folks. It's just massive and so many resources throughout your professional career. So I highly, highly recommend that. But be true to yourself, do your homework, and then you'll get closer to really better understanding not only if you see systems for you, but what specific campus. And good luck. Thank you so much for joining us today, Christina. I'm sure our listeners appreciate your insight into college admissions at the UCs. For more information, check out our blog linked in the episode description. We'll link a couple blogs about the UCs as well. If you have any questions or would like to request a topic for a future episode, go ahead and give us a follow and send us a message on social media with the hashtag InsightAdmissions. That's all for now. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue our journey inside the admissions office.